If I could describe to give my life tour in one word, it would be vulnerability. Showing up for yourself is so important. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanco. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Get My Life Tour. It is me, your host, Lydia T. Blanco. And as always, I am so excited that you have taken time out of your day to show up for yourself and join me here on tour. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the Get My Life Tour. Here we are practicing vulnerability, showing up for ourselves and being in community. This podcast is a how-through lifestyle podcast, and I'm so glad that you are here on this stop of the tour. If this is your umpteenth time tuning in, welcome back. You know, it's always a good time when you're here. Oh, so I'm hyped. You can probably see me glowing just a little bit, but I am ecstatic because when I first started this podcast, I was super ambitious. I think that's just one of my traits, but I reached out to this phenomenal woman phenomenal young lady. And I just sent an email and a contact form on her website and I shot my shot. And a year ago, schedules were packed. Little did I know she was writing a book that's going to shift the atmosphere, our culture in so many of our lives. But she had time. And I'm so grateful to say that on this stop of the tour, we are joined by none other than Mrs. Sarah Jakes Roberts. I feel like there's confetti going off somewhere, but I'll just wait, right? I'm like, ooh, fireworks, someone cue the pyro. Sarah Jakes Roberts is a businesswoman, best-selling author and media personality who has expertly balanced career or who's better yet, expertly balancing career, ministry, and family. She has been the driving force behind grassroots marketing for films, publications, and community programs that inspire and uplift people of all ages and backgrounds. Sarah is the daughter of Bishop T.D. Jakes and Mrs. Sarita Jakes and pastors a dynamic community of artists and professionals in Hollywood alongside her husband, Torrey Roberts. Together, they have six beautiful children and reside in LA. And today, she's here on the Get My Life Tour. I don't know how to act, but I'm keeping it together. Help me <laughs> welcome Sarah Jakes Roberts to the Get My Life Tour. Hey, girl. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm already looking forward to it. Oh, my goodness. I feel like I should be like, boop, 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 boop. (laughs) (laughs) But we're not at the sound effects, you know, phase yet. But thank you for being here. Thank you, number one, for this, for Mm. writing this. I was on the train getting my life, trying to take notes, watch my purse, and make sure I kept my mask up because I was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot. Why would you do that to me? (laughs) I'm sorry. I did. I mean, I prayed that it would do the most in someone's life, but it's always interesting to see if it actually did what it was intended to do. So I'm like, Loki, glad that you were in that state, but I'm also sorry. It's very weird. It's (laughs) very weird. Navigate all of that during the pandemic on the three train to Brooklyn. Yes. (laughs) My apologies. Like an hour long commute, but thank you. Nonetheless, my goodness. So many people follow you and are touched by your ministry. And I'd like to think the world knows who you are. And there is definitely accuracy in that thought and in that statement. But in your own words, let people know who Sarah Jakes Roberts is. Sarah Jakes Roberts is a woman on a mission to become the best version of herself and inviting as many women as possible to join on that mission for their own life. Um, I think that's me in the simplest form. I'm trying to do the best that I can do. I'm trying to live my best life. um, And that's taken a lot of work, but I enjoy encouraging other women to join in doing the work with me. You know, when you say that, I hear community. Yeah. You know, I shared with you, I belong to a tribe of women who have been eager to have a conversation with you. You know, you preach from the pulpit, but you feel closer 
in the heart than most resonate mm-hmm. with us, right? And I think it's because you lead from that place. You lead from a place of fierceness and fearlessness and with sisterhood in mind. And you definitely are bringing women along with you. You have a sister, you have a family. Mm-hmm. Why do you choose to lead the way you do, you know, in ministry, but in life and in business and relationship with others? You know, I truly believe that part of why I have been able to become, you know, whatever this is that this has become has so much to do with me really wanting to be someone who could have reached myself when I was experiencing um, my pain, my depression, my shame, my grief. I needed something real. I needed someone who spoke the language that I spoke who understood the world that I lived in and who wasn't so intent on preaching to me that they didn't walk things out with me. And so I lead in the way that I needed to be led. And I wasn't sure when I first started doing that, if that was even something that there was a space for. Everything that I had seen historically was people telling you what to do and that it worked in a lot of capacities, but I really wanted to do the work with someone. You know, if someone could sum up or define being who they needed, Mm. that's you. You just did that. Oh, my goodness. You know, there are so many memes on the Internet, on Instagram and whatever platforms that talk about, you know, being who we need. Right. I just wanted to be who I needed. Right. But the way you just said that. I think will charge people to take some inventory and reevaluate how they can show up as who they needed and who they need and then who others need, right? Because it sounds like a selfless process. How don't you get lost or caught up in that, right? Because I feel like it's easy to be like, okay, mm, I'm who I needed. And yeah, see, now no one can tell me anything, but that's not how you show up. Mm, no, Lydia, because the truth is, that in order to show up as who you needed, you have to be very close to your own pain. Um, You know, sometimes I wonder whether or not this is the right method, right? But I hear Paul talking about this thorn in his side. I am still very close to my pain. Um, I can remember her. I spent a long time trying to forget her. And then I found a way to embrace who I was as a girl who got pregnant, as a girl who made a lot of different choices in toxic relationships and friendships. I I remember her well. I hold her close to me. I, I protect her now. And because I stay so close to her pain, there is no room for ego or for pride because I am just so grateful that I am holding her close, but not being led by her, not being um, making decisions from her pain anymore. And so there really isn't room for ego because I am just so close to who I used to be and so thankful that I'm not her anymore, that I'm able to, you know, on most days live in a space of gratitude. You said so many things. What stuck out to me was you remember her. Oh, yeah. And you don't have to make, and I'm paraphrasing here, you don't have to make decisions in the way that she once did. Yeah. Wow. I love her. I, um, I, I know her pain. I see how it hurt her. I see how it tore her down. And, um, you know, I know that she's now me, you know, I'm talking third person, but I know that I'm now living a life that she never even imagined was possible, never even thought it was possible. And so I enjoy allowing her to see what her life has become. It's like taking a kid to Disneyland for the first time and being able to say, oh, look over there and wait till we get to that part. You're going to love that part. I get to show her what healing looks like on the other side of pain. And I know that God's grace was the bridge that allowed that to happen, but I I love doing life with her. I love doing life with her. Yeah. Oh, so many of us aspire to to reach that point in our relationship with ourselves. Talk to us about introducing her to Eve. 
Yeah. The conversation y'all had, because I feel like the way you in- reintroduced Eve to us, <laughs> you can write some chapters, okay? If there's something that got left out, wasn't written, and I say that with all reverence and due respect to the Most High, but there's a conversation that I feel like a lot of you know younger versions of ourselves have to have with the Eve within yeah. us. Um, it's okay. So for people who may not be familiar with my, my affection towards Eve, um, you know, this is a new affection. We, we just recently started going together because I spent most of my life saying that like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to jack her up. Like sis had one job and she messed it up. And I realized that that same feeling I had towards Eve, I had towards myself. Mm -hmm. I had internalized within myself, my own pain, my own anger, my own frustrations for decisions that I made. And I realized that I could not be a woman who was empowering other women and then have ought in my heart to be first woman ever. And so when I went back to look at her life, I looked at the first woman, not through the lens of what she did, but trying to figure out how, how did you end up there? What was it like? How did you recover from that point? And all of a sudden, it was like the floodgates were open because I knew what it was like to be a woman in a world that seems bigger than her. I knew what it was like to know better and not do better. I knew what it was like to wonder how can I ever have restoration and redemption from here? And I studied her life and I studied my life and I poured out into Woman Evolve the lessons that I learned through that process of studying her growth. Because I believe to your point, every woman has an Eve in her. We all know what it's like to get stuck in that I should have done better, could have done better, wish I would have done better, but wondering, can I move on from this? And the answer is absolutely yes. If you're still here, you can move on, but you may have to do some uncomfortable work. You know, the first piece of discomfort, but peace and ease unspeakable that I encountered when opening your book was the conversation that you were having with us about the questions. Yeah. Oh, Sarah, I was like, wait a second now, because <laughs> wait a I wasn't minute. ready. <laughs> I was not ready. I told you I was already on the train sniffling and trying to readjust my mask. But you talk about the question the serpent asked Eve. And we all know the apple and the tree and eating. But in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, do we know ourselves? Yeah. Right? We we study so many stories and people, regardless if it's in the Bible or autobiographies or whatever the case may be, right? But the question you you challenge us to think about helps us to get to know ourselves. Tell us more about that question because I don't want to give the book away, right? Okay. That was the hardest part of the book to write wow. because it made such sense in my head, but I wasn't sure that I was explaining it properly. So Eve doesn't just eat from the fruit. It's not like she just walks up on the fruit and is like, forget what God said. This is my moment. I don't care. I'm hungry. This was not even hungry. There's no indication that she was hungry. And this was the only thing that was it was within reach. The serpent asked her a question. Did God really say? And that question changed everything. A few scriptures later, we see Eve say to God, the serpent deceived me. And then I ate. The serpent deceives Eve with a question. And then after that question, it changes her diet. And then I thought about my own life and I said, does this, uh, does this apply to my life? Can I find a question that led me into deception and then change my actions and the way that I show up in the world? And for me, that question was, do I belong here? Growing up in a ministry family without a ministry gift, growing up in a ministry world without understanding who I was in that dynamic, that was my original question. And the quest to try and find the answer to that question is what led me on a dangerous path. And so I try, I tried to explain it in the book. And I'm, you know, once again, uh, I'm glad that you got that part because it was hard. It, it was, when I say there was a piece unspeakable, yeah. I 
was like, okay, what is my question? And something immediately came to mind. It was a moment when cousins from Boston were visiting us in San Francisco. They pulled up. It was so many people in the car. It was almost like, you know, everybody was just jam packed. And an older cousin asked me, Lydia, what do you want to be when you grow older? Or what do you want to do when you get older? And I was like, well, I like, you know, TV and entertaining and talking to people. I don't know. And then my father, sister, and I had walked away. They had left. And I remember my dad saying, and I say this with all love to him, but I, this is my mm. recollection, right? I hope you don't grow up to be a clown. And I was like, mm. it's like, okay, all right. You know, in that moment, something inside of me broke. But then in this moment, on, during that moment on the train, and being posed with that question, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I know that's one area of my life, but me being able to remember those words verbatim and that question yeah. has helped me in, what is this, the last three weeks? Because I read the book with the pre-sale, the pre-order that has been helping me unpack. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe this is why I'm so hard on myself when it comes yeah. to figuring out what I want to do and how I want to show up and this, and should I really be doing this? And I'm like, okay. So you are like blessing my whole life with this podcast because the adult version of us would look back on a moment like that and say it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can remember how it affected you means that it something happened in that moment. I may not have been able to understand it as a child, but something happened in that moment. And you know, I share my own moment where it felt like so small and not a big deal, but something shifted in me and figuring out what that shift is, is powerful because you understand now, maybe I have been living my life from this place of brokenness, from this place of shift. And I've got to decide, am I going to finally step into God's truth, God's identity, God's vision for my life and stop trying to run away or run towards whatever that small moment was? You Okay. So I knew something was going to happen during this conversation, but I'm like, Lydia, don't you get up and walk away off camera. Don't do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay in the moment. But that's how grateful I am for this text and to be called back to that space so that I can continue to move forward because you write about that. Okay, y'all, I have been talking about the book without telling you about the book at all. Of course, this is officially on the stands. Woman Evolve, Break Up With Your Fears and Revolutionize Your Life. I am legit getting my life. I'm revolutionizing my life. (laughs) I'm doing all, okay? And I'm so grateful for the information, right, that you are sharing here. Like, thinking about the questions, I always say, and this has been one of um, my key points in the narratives, here on the Get My Life Tour, this has been about getting the answers to the questions that life poses to us that we often don't anticipate, right? In conversation with you, I'm like, oh my gosh. In reading this book, in conversations with other people, I'm like, I didn't even realize I had that question. I didn't realize I had that trauma, that pain, those fears. Revolutionizing my life. Mm. So something you wrote, And I'm going to paraphrase, right? But there was a line that stuck out to me. The serpent wasn't after Eve's appetite. He was after the calling on her life. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, he didn't care if she was hungry. He just wanted to undermine the power and authority that God had given her. Like he wasn't like, oh, she's hungry. Like we have to look at it as more than just Eve ate from the fruit and that's where her story ends and we move on. What was happening in this moment? Why was the woman such a threat? And I tell you, oh my gosh, I just have chills because 
if women understood that they were such a threat because of the influence they possess, then we would take ownership again of that influence and then decide to ourselves, how do we want to show up in the world? We see entire industries shaped off of a woman's influence. Almost everything advertisement is directed towards women because of a woman's influence in her community. Wars have been started over a woman's influence. Businesses created over a woman's influence. The Me Too movement is the power of a woman's influence. A woman got up one day and said, I'm tired of it. And when a woman got tired of it, the whole world shifted and paid attention. And so the woman's influence is so powerful. And of course, he had to go after the woman's influence because if he got the woman, he got everything. But I believe there's a generation of women taking their influence back. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about women evolve. Let's talk about it. I remember, well, I follow you closely and I remember seeing this thing start. I was like, okay, there's a song about Eve. I need to forgive Eve and Eve and me want to blame her for cramps and this and that. And <laughs> you were like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, hmm, okay, all right, let me ease up on Eve. Right. Because there was also something you wrote about like imagining waking up as a grown woman and having to yeah. live your life that way. Red. Bill, <laughs> red. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, we don't know what we think we know, right? But you have an incredible tribe of women and a movement that I believe the Most High has blessed you with. You, mm. you've been called to a generation of women. Right. And so many of us have our own experiences with our families, with our beliefs, our finances, this calling to be creatives and entrepreneurs. And Woman Evolve is calling us to deal with that and to help us move forward with our lives so that we can be who we've been called to be. Let's talk about that. And when did God speak to you? You know, Woman Evolve kind of started like the fullness of what it is now was really literally me just doing stuff. Like it was literally like, I want to say that I had this creative master plan that was taking shape and form, but things just started coming to me the more that I moved in that direction. So maybe that's a word for somebody. Mm -hmm. Like we look at other people's things and we're like, how am I ever going to have all of those things? Or how could I ever do anything that is that impactful? I am telling you right now, I did not start off with intention. I started off with a word. I had a word about Eve that blew my mind. Like I was studying her life and I felt like I had a word that no one had ever spoken about Eve again. I'm in the kitchen. I'm frying chicken. My friend Shanice is there. I'm like, Sha, I think I want to have a conference that helps women evolve because of this revelation. After that, I was like, I don't want to have DVDs after the conference because who's really watching DVDs? We should have an online platform where people can go and get the content. Then I was like, we should make sure we have other things on the content throughout the year, things for their mental health, things for their finances, things for vulnerability. I also want to do a podcast because I like some podcasts that are a little bit ratchet, but I don't always feel good listening to them. So I'm going to have a ratchet, ratchet podcast. And then we're going to do clothing. Like it all just step by step became this, you know, multimedia organization, but the heart of it started with a word. And that's why that word is so important because you follow what God told you to say. I feel like this is for you. You keep doing what God told you to do. You keep showing up in the space that God has placed you. And yes, it's going to be hard. And yes, you're going to have to do a lot of things on your own. I was customer service for Woman Evolve. I was the tech engineer for Woman Evolve. I did. I built the website myself. I did all of those things by myself because I just trusted what God said. And then he added more and then he added people and then he added resources and that word protect that word by any means necessary because the word has every resource. It has every opportunity, every person, every monetary need is connected to that word. Sorry. I I receive. I I receive that. Thank you. A word, you know, Oh my goodness. I remember sitting at my desk and I had you on cue. Okay. Shout outs to YouTube. Okay. <laughs> I had you queued up. You and Yasmin, one LA. I'm like, okay. All right. What you got for me today? And it's hard to listen to a sermon and try to write a story on deadline. But I was like, you know what? We're going to just figure this out. Lord. Right. 
<laughs> and, you know, some days I figured out, I was like, okay, let me turn it down just a little bit. But there was a word that snuck in one day and you said, you don't need another word. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need another word. And I wrote, I'm like, okay, I have these <laughs> sticky notes. I'm like, all right, you don't need another word. And I'm like, okay. And sometimes we think we need another word. I'm like, okay, listen to Sarah today. Let me see what she has to say. Oh, did she post anything on Woman of Off page? Yeah. We think we need another word. What are your thoughts on that? Because you said you had this intention as well, right? But you had no intention, excuse me, but you had this word. What do you want others to know about that when it comes to just trusting? Yeah. Um, what I tell people all of the time is that working the word is not for the outcome of the word. It's for the process of who you become in being obedient. It's who you get to see God become in your life because you were obedient. And so I'm working this word right now. Like woman evolved, like I'm working this word. I don't have a clue where we're headed. I don't even have a destination in mind. Like people ask me when I do interviews, what's next? I have no idea what's next. Literally no idea. We have ideas when everything dies down, we're going to try and cook up some ideas and we're going to see what God breathes on. But I am working this word. That means as things come to me, I navigate, see if they align, and then I move forward with that. But that one word, um, we've had words over our lives. And for, for everyone, this is not your testimony, but there are some people who God has already said specifically, like start that business, move into that role, start the therapy, start saving your money. Like God has sent a word and we're like, mm, I'll do it later or mm, I'll wait until it's burning down in my soul to do. And then we want God to give more word. But are you good ground? Like, are you good ground? Do you take what God says and apply it to your life? I was not good ground for years. So this is no shame on anybody. But I finally came to this place where I was like, God, if you give me something to say, I'll do it. If I look crazy doing it, if my voice cracks when doing it, preaching is not what I would sign up to do. I feel like I lose all control up there and it is only God. And I don't love being out of control. Who does? But at the end of the day, if God gives me something to say, I don't care if this wig starts sliding. I don't care if this voice goes out. I don't care what happens in that moment. I am obedient to that word. And, um, you know, my heart posture demands that I come back to that place of obedience to the word. So I'm overcoming fear and anxiety and nerves to do it, but I, I try to get it done. Are you good ground? Mm. Work the word. Work it. Can you get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what we can do. No, it's work. I mean, My work that word. Work it. Mm. Throw everything you've got at it. Create an atmosphere for it to flourish. Go to school. Buy the book. Get in the right community. Why? Because I'm trying to work this word. God gave me something. I feel like preaching. I'm going to be quiet. But like, if God gives it to you, the least you can do is work it. Don't stop yourself no more now. <laughs> don't do that, us, because we you, don't do that. Uh, work the word. Eve, are you good ground? Yeah. I'm an evolve. The evolution. What has your evolution been since saying yes and receiving the word and going on this journey to create this for us? Mm. The place, the place that, that I feel like I am evolving the most in right now is um, taking in the joy of obedience taking in the joy of impact of my life, having purpose and meaning something to so many people. Um, and I just feel like it, this moment just feels so different in my life. Um, I've written books before that touch people's lives and help them through their journeys. Um, I feel like this, this is why, this is why it's different for me. Um, I'm going to take the long road, but then I'm going to come home. So uh, when I first started speaking, people invited me a lot of places to speak. 
And I could tell on based on my social media, like the places I was being invited to speak weren't the people who were following me on social media. You know, for the most part, I was being invited into predominantly white spaces uh, because I was the girl who didn't mind telling their testimony. And because I wasn't at the time, like really preaching, preaching, black churches didn't really invite me to come speak. And I just realized that like there were a group of black women who were connected to my message and to my voice, but they weren't coming into the spaces where I was. And Woman Evolve was like, okay, if I'm not invited into their spaces and they're either leaving the church or I'm not invited to their churches, I'm going to try and create something and I'm just going to see if they come. This was me building an arc. This was me seeing if anyone would come, if anyone felt connected to it. It was really a leap of faith. Nobody gave me any money to do it. I didn't have any upfront costs that someone was like, I'm going to take care of this for you. Like I saved my money. I did a lot of things myself because I just wanted to see if anything could happen here. And so this moment feels so different for me because I am having to really accept and receive that um, God trusts me with oil. Um, this is like, I'm not even going to like go there with you because I ain't nobody got time for that. And you're, this is not payback for what happened on the train. But like, <laughs> <laughs> I just, um, I just didn't know that this was in me. I didn't know this was in me. I, I didn't, I never thought it was in me. And to have so many people say it's in you, it's in you, uh, receiving that speaks to that little girl who never felt like it was in her. And it's almost overwhelming for her sometimes. It's a lot easier to just like get through the interviews and not let her hear it unless I'm in my closet. Because for her to hear, I mean, like in the book, you have purpose, you have value, and you have worth. That's like, that's a big pill to swallow when you didn't feel those things for a really long time. I'm not going to cry with you, though. Don't you start. I am practicing taking deep breaths, even though I'm like sucking at it right now because I can barely get my words out. I'm just like, breathe, smile and nod, Lydia, smile and nod. <laughs> because... Oh, that's a hard pill to swallow. There's nothing easy about becoming who you've needed. Yeah. There's nothing easy. There's nothing pretty about it. There's nothing fast yeah. about it. Oh, and it's also so healing. Like it's healing in real time. Yeah, in real time. Like that is growing up. That it like that excites me about growing up spiritually, you know, physically here on this side of the earth, right? Yeah. And adulting, like it just puts so much into perspective, but we have to be open to that. Yes. That's just and not something that comes to us. No, we have to be open to it. And I really do believe, Lydia, that it's every woman's inheritance. I think from Eve's life to my life uh, in the, you know, thousands of years that span that time that every woman has had this experience. God is no respecter of person. And I believe that it is every woman's um, right to walk in the fullness of who she is in God and to stand in awe of who he has called her to be. And I just pray that we are intentional about stepping outside of our, our trying mm-hmm. to see our being. You're sitting here and you're like trying to maintain your breath and trying to make sure that you show up and people are going to be calling and texting and telling you did such a good job. This was the best interview yet mm-hmm. because you see you're trying, but God sees you're doing. Mm-hmm. And if we ever step out of our trying and to see that God sees our doing, I just feel like every woman would be amazed at how she shows up even when she's afraid. Okay. So I'm just going to continue to revolutionize on this end. Yeah. I am just like amazed. What, 
Okay, because what are you? Hello, somebody. Sarah, why are you this way? Why why do you, you do this thing and you're sitting there so calmly? Okay. <laughs> Let me have it. Go you have to speak in life. Like you are not preaching right now. You're so cool. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. We need I love more it. of I love you. It. We need more of you. So many people are familiar with your story, right? And they're getting to know you. You are really opening up here. I feel like this is a love story or a love letter mm. you've written to yourself and a love letter that so many of us can see ourselves in, right? You speak openly. And before I even get into my question, can I just say this? I appreciate, especially as a journalist by trade, that you were able to discern in your spirit and your being when there needed to be a shift in the spaces that you showed up to in the parts of your story you needed to tell. Mm. That is so powerful. So many times we get caught up in telling the same narrative over and over the same way. Mm. And we don't realize how others are benefiting from our stories and how we are almost trapping ourselves or not growing or pushing past the pain. So thank you for saying that. That's that's what I heard as you mm. talked about having to create a space for yourself to call yourself higher and to create community for all of us who really mm. want in on evolution. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. You are welcome. So back to my question, because I can talk, right? But my question is, even though we're familiar with a number of parts of your story that you shared with us, what has been a get my life moment for you? Um, okay, so I wrote about this in the book. Okay, hold on. Dude, let's see. I will, okay, now I'll give you one that's not in the book, because I want you to... Okay, so... Um, I was probably two years into my marriage and my husband would say or do things that affected me, but I could not verbalize how they affected me. My emotional vocabulary is expanding, but it was once very limited and I would decide to not say anything at all. And in the process of me not saying anything at all, I found myself being resentful and bitter. I was bitter over little things like just you don't take me to dinner. And like I would be he would be like, I took you to dinner last week. Like I was just bitter because I had all of these things that I didn't know how to say. And because I didn't know how to say them, they festered. And I finally had this moment where I was like, if you don't learn to speak up, you're going to kill your marriage your words are suffocating. Your lack of communication is suffocating your marriage. And you're going to have to say it if it means you cry. You're going to have to say it if it means you sound angry. You're going to have to say it and go through words and processes and sit there until it all makes sense. Because at the end of the day, this is the person God has called you to be. And um, I remember the first time I tried it, I was crying and mad and angry. And my husband loved it. And it made me sick. <laughs> it made me sick. He was like, yes, yes, more of this. Finally, I was like, calm down. Like, you are on my nerves. But also, listen up. And um, our marriage just got so much richer and so much, so much deeper. Because he's like, babe, I can handle all of you. Don't hold any part of yourself away from me. I got all of you. Even if it's nasty and ugly for a minute, keep doing the work. We'll get there together. Wow. That's work. That yes, is. it is. Ain't nobody had time for that. <laughs> and you know, that's what people don't tell us. There are so many of us who aspire to just fall in love and be a good thing and this, that, and the third. And we don't realize we may not be ready for that, but then there are also people who aren't having those candid conversations with us at all. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you don't want to mess it up. Right. So we, the toxic relationship culture of our generation has put us in a situation where we feel like I don't want to mess it up. 
So there are some things I won't say. There are some things I will let slide because I don't want to mess it up. If you finally get someone who is not cheating, who respects and values you and his mother, who takes care of his children, like he does all of the things, there is a part of you that feels like I don't want to mess this up. And I think living in that scarcity mindset that there is something I could do that would make this mess up for me means that I am not bringing all of myself. I'm bringing pieces of myself. And so uh, relationships are hard. It's more than just someone to watch a movie with and someone else's income to help you balance off life. It is some hard, deep work. And um, but it's beautiful. It's worth it when you have the right one. It is not worth it when you don't. Well, that's the word. That is, and I appreciate you sharing that moment. You know, you could have pulled from any moment, right? But the fact that you pulled from that one, I really do appreciate it. And I believe so many women who tune in are going to be like, ooh, and the fellas too, right? Mm Because all of us need to evolve and practice vulnerability and be called higher. So thank you. Okay, so you know what? Before I let you go, there is a pivot. I feel like a lot of us, are recognizing, right? And I'm excited about it, right? I know that you never thought you would preach and <laughs> that you here now. Look, you can't take it back from us now because I'm like, hey, can I get <laughs> like you got new, like let me let me get something, right? But there is this evolution that is happening, and I like what I see, I like how I feel watching you just own it, like businesswoman, entrepreneur, speaker. Okay, these outfits that have been on my time. Well, you know, we going dressed up. <laughs> okay, because I'm like, wait a second. Is Sarah even more snatched than the last time I saw what's happening? Okay. <laughs> right? I, I don't know if you're participating in any hot girl summers, but <laughs> even if you don't choose to, you qualify. You know, I wasn't, the jury is still out on the hot girl summer because I don't know what this book tour diet is about to do for me. <laughs> but if um, if I don't lose this weight, it's going to be a save girl summer and I'm going to be um, sending everybody to hell who got on crop tops and tankies. <laughs> <laughs> Holiness is still right. Long sleeve bathing suits and long skirts at the beach. <laughs> you know what? Look, you and me both. But I have to ask, you know, there's just this newness. What are we seeing? What are we experiencing? Like legit from the way that you show up and what we see, right? Just that. And then I'm saying this with all due respect. You already have like this spice and this oomph and you hear with us. So we like that too. But there's a newness. There is a newness and I don't know what it is, but I said, I like it, but I have to ask you, what is that? You know, my husband told me when I first started pushing the book, it's definitely related to the book. Um, I think that as I put the book into the earth, that God was like, and now you're going to experience another revolution too. Uh, part of the journey with the book is not like this revolution is this one-time destination. There's levels to it. There's dimensions to it. And I feel like God was like, if I'm going to make you the person who is this message, right? If I'm going to turn you into the word, then you're going to have to surrender to every moment. And I remember very clearly, and my friend Shanice is here, she can tell you, you know, that I decided to get behind what God was doing in this book, which meant that like, I am not one for like just going on Instagram live randomly. I'm not really one for like pushing something that I'm doing consistently. Like I have a clothing store. I post about it occasionally. When we go on tour, I post about it one or two times. And that is it. Like I am not one to be like here, here, here. And yet I realized that in order for this book to get in the hands of as many women as possible, I was going to have to over overcome my shyness and step into it. And I think as a result of stepping into it, what you are experiencing is me owning what God has given me, loving what God has given me and, um, you know, discovering who I am. I feel like I'm living my life out loud for other people to see. And that's probably, that's probably what you're looking at. Mm. You know, I have this mantra, how you live your life is your business. And in following you in this conversation, I know that you're about your father's business, Mm -hmm. right? 
but seeing you live your life like it's your business, right? You tell us to mind our business and drink our water. I got my water right here, but it's so exciting. And I, I believe it gives other women permission to show up and be fearless and to be fierce and to be women of faith and be about our business, right? This book was put in your heart. This is a business. Let me uh, turn it the right way, right? Because I got so excited. This is business, right? Mm-hmm. That is, that's powerful. And so many of us need that example. And we t- we need to know that it's possible for us as well. And you tell us that here. We got to push mm-hmm. past our pain so that we can create, we can launch the website, the ebook, start the podcast, write the book. We have to be about our father's business and own it. So thank you for owning it. Thank you for living okay. your life so fully. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. You are more than welcome. Before you drop the mic, I would like to ask you for a tip or three to help women and men revolutionize their lives. Mm. Okay. My first tip is identify where the revolution is most necessary. Our life is a big thing. We've got work, we've got family, we've got relationships, we've got our mental health, we've got our body. And so it is not enough to just say, I want to revolutionize my life, pinpoint an area where you would like to see a revolution take place. The second tip after that would be why? What would it mean if your life was revolutionized here? Who would you become as a result of that revolution? And what would it do for anyone who happens to be watching your journey? Three is very simple. Practice it. Try it on. Okay. You don't have to walk into this because a lot of times we have those first two, but we don't walk into it because we're like, what if I start and fail? What if I start and don't make it? This is practice. Okay. I want you to practice this version of yourself. Try it on for 30 minutes a day. Try it on for an hour a day, one day, then the next day you can pull off the gas a little bit. Allow yourself to practice stepping into this newness until you build the courage and the strength to walk it out completely. Because at the end of the day, revolutionizing your life, getting your life, It's our responsibility as humans here on earth to make the world better because we are here, but we can't make the world better unless we're better. So what would make you better? And then act that out so that we can become better as a, as a result of it. And there you have it. Oh, I told you I'm revolutionizing. I am getting, I I feel like I could just continue to add to the list. All the things, right? I'm evolving. I believe we are ever evolving. And this right here Mm. is proof of it. You over there, even though I shouldn't be pointing, is proof of it. I'll throw myself in it, right? All of who we are is proof of our inheritance and we have to be willing to claim it. So I'm so grateful. I'm so full. You've already dropped the mic a number of times and I don't want to have to invoice you because you've beaten it up so badly. My bad, my bad. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I'm not sure what your mic drop moment is and I cannot wait to hear it. I'm going to try to hold myself together as you say it. But when you are ready, the floor is yours. Please drop the mic. Mm. My drop the mic moment is for you. Every woman like you, who is a part of a tribe of women who have been inspired by what God has done in my life. If you look closely in my life at whatever part means the most to you, If you zoom in and zoom in the way that you would do on a phone, what you would see is not a small piece of my life. What you would see is a mirror, a mirror of what God believes is possible for you, a mirror of what God says I can do through you too. And if you would allow that mirror to become your focus, to see that reflection of God that is beaming through my life and into your identity then I wholeheartedly believe mm, that you don't even have the life that you're going to get yet. 
what you have right now is a seed of what that life can be. And in time, you will see that even the highest moments you have experienced was just water onto that seed. There is a rich harvest connected to who you are. And there is fruit that will change the generations to come. My prayer for you, my brother, my sister, is that you would create an environment for that seed to become all that it can be so that we can become better and this world can become better because you lived fully. And so it is. And so it is. Sarah. Mm-hmm. All of that. All yeah. of that. My goodness. You know, I said it when we first started this stop on the tour. But I am so grateful for divine timing. Mm-hmm. I truly am. I remember being in that contact box, I was like, well, you know, maybe. And I had just heard from your father at a, an event that I was working. And I was like, you know what? This is confirmation. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to ask, right? Now is the time. And I'm so grateful. So thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up the way that mm. you have and for having a yes in your heart. My goodness. I know that you are blessed, booked, and busy. And the fact that you've taken time to speak into our lives this way and show up and take center stage really means a lot to me. Let people know how they can stay connected, how they can purchase this and have a copy of their own. Woman Evolve is available wherever books are sold. That's Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, anywhere you buy your books, audiobooks, ebooks. We've got the whole thing. And you can stay connected to me on Instagram or Facebook at Sarah Jakes Roberts or on Twitter at S Jakes Roberts. Incredible. And as always, to stay connected with the Get My Life Tour, visit thegetmylifetour.com. Be connected on social media at the Get My Life Tour. With the exception of Twitter, it is at Get My Life Tour because it was a little bit too long. And if you'd like to stay connected with me and follow my work journalistically, visit my website, LydiaTBlanco.com, or connect with me on all social platforms at LydiaTBlanco. This has been incredible. I hope that you have been filled the way that I have been filled and that you are called higher and are ready mm-hmm. to take action. Ah, deep breaths, y'all. And keep it moving. Until the next stop here on the Get My Life Tour, it has been real. Peace. Mm-hmm.